yourself later. It's easy to do it over. All right. Hey, this is Christopher Chan back to you from Napa Valley. We are at the CIA Sommelier Summit 2019 at the Copia Wine and Food Studies Center. Uh, it's been such a delight. We've been tasting olive oil. We're now next up is honey, of course, in addition to all the great wine. I have Amina Harris, the director of Honey and Pollination at UC Davis. Uh, Amina Harris, welcome to Happy Hour. Well, I'm glad to be here. This will be a lot of fun. It should be fun. I'm, I'm truly a big honey lover. I like bees. I, I've always been um, outside of getting stung, but I didn't mind it. <laughs> I knew that he gave its life for her. She gave its life for she me. Her, her or eat it. It would be a drone, I think, right? right? Drones can't sting. That's, okay, so was it she? Yeah, it she was angry. She. But I always attracted the, the female of all in the that. Wrong place. <laughs> Too funny. Wrong place, wrong time. That's it. All right, so you are the director of Honey and Pollination Center at I UC am. Davis. Talk, tell me about that. Well, the center's been around since uh, 2012. I was the inaugural director, I guess you'd say. And um, the idea right now is to help make UC Davis the center of all things honey and bees. Um, I work uh, specifically with trying to do the research on honey and varietal honey. And then I also work with the Department of Entomology putting together a master beekeeper program and helping to train beekeepers. Finally, I'm involved in the world of mead. I work with the Department of Viticulture and Enology and I offer three different mead courses during the year um, to train people how to make mead, to appreciate it, and to, to learn all about it. Fantastic. So uh, I would imagine, do you have beeswax candles? Do you have uh, honeycombs at your house? Or, or is it just a work thing? Well, at my home, it's different than at my work. At work, I have over 200 honeys for tasting. Um, they come from all over the world. I probably have more than almost 300 right now. But they come from all over the world. And people come to our courses from all over the world, which is one of the ways I end up with them. Um, but then in addition, at my home, I have lots of bee paraphernalia. People always like to come in and see all the stuff. And I even have bee socks on right now. Um, <laughs> and little bee earrings. Because people gift me these things all the time. It's pretty hard to get away from uh, honey once you're into it. You know, it's interesting. As iconic as the bee, the bumblebee are, um, it, it's still a mystery of how great of purpose they serve our earth and our humanity and everything else in the world. Our flora, if you will. What got you into bees and how? what sort of certification did you gain to become the uh, director of the <laughs> Pollination Center? That's an interesting series of questions. Um, it really, for me, it all started in the 70s when everybody was kind of getting into natural foods. I was graduated from college. <laughs> I was sitting right with Gorp. I was sitting there with my um, New York Times cookbook and I said, well, you know, this is not very holistic. And I started remaking everything with whole wheat flour and honey. And that's where I actually started. Um, however, I'm trained as a school teacher. I have a degree in special education. Um, I've always been a teacher of some kind or another. And uh, in the 1980s, I teamed up with my then husband, Isha Zeldner, and we started um, a company called Moonshine Trading, which was varietal honey. And nobody had ever heard of varietal honey. He had been a beekeeper in Israel, was beekeeper for most of his life um, until the, uh, actually until he died, he was a beekeeper. And so um, he had 40 years in the beekeeping world. So I've learned a lot about bees along the way. Am I certified? Not really. I'm certified by the fact that I've been here for so long and done so much, but nobody else was doing the concept of varietal honey until we started it way back when. Except and for the farmer, because even then it's probably not varietal, but they, how far do bees go to get their honey? Bees can travel up to five miles in a radius of five miles. It's about 87 I mean, that's miles. there and back? 
<laughs> right, there and back. Five miles out and five miles in. Most bees don't because they tell each other where the better forage is close at hand. They do what's known as the bee dance. dance. Right. So you got to know about the waggle dance, but what people don't understand is the bees aren't seeing that dance. They're feeling it. It's actually all done through vibration in the hive. It's kind of cool. Oh, that is very cool. Um, so that's how you know that when the big queen bee's coming, <laughs> it's starting to get a little right, buzzy. That dance gets going. <laughs> how many people participate in the honey and uh, pollination center activities and education? Over the course of a year, there's probably about three or four hundred. Um, they, we do four courses specifically, plus a bunch of small stuff. The big one that we actually do that actually attracts almost 40,000 people is the California Honey Festival. We're one of the founding partners, and the university is behind us with that. It happens in Woodland, California, so folks up in Seattle are really intrigued about what honey's all about. Send them on down. Absolutely. You did say Seattle, right? I am from <laughs> up there in Seattle, great northwest. However, the honeys from the northwest are some of the best honeys, and um, you know, you could Black get all kinds of... Fireweed. We've got some great blackberry here to yeah. try. Fireweed um, just produced this year. Someone was saying, so what do you do with fireweed? And you know, you know, where is it? Why haven't I seen it for a while? And it didn't produce for almost five years. So we are just, we it produced last year and this year it's fantastic. So every year is a little bit different. It's not quite a vintage, but it's certainly a powerful honey this year. So. And honey is used by peoples from around the world, right? You said Israel. I mean, there's got to be bees everywhere except... Although, when I think of Israel, we always think of the desert, but really there's a lot of uh, land and hills in Israel. Right. So what's going on is people don't understand that there were no honeybees in America until 1650. We had native bees. Our native bees pollinated the squash, which is native to this area. They pollinated the cranberries. Nope. Because tomatoes are self-pollinating. Nope. They no. aren't. No. Tomatoes are buzz-pollinated by um, a native bee also, but not by honeybees. They're, they're, they have a closed flower, and in buzz-pollination, the, the uh, bumblebee will grab on and she'll shake it, shake the flower until it opens and gets all over her. <laughs> <laughs> She's violent. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a violent Give type. me what I want. Give me what I want. Actually, give me what you want because you want oh, me to pollinate right. you. I see. So it's, it's a, a deceptive sort of, yeah, it is. Um, so it's a really interesting symbiotic relationship. Honeybees, when they're young, need, need the protein to grow, and that's the pollen. And when they start to fly and pollinate, they actually need honey. And so they make the honey to give themselves their own energy. Interesting. I think of hummingbirds are zipping around and going at a fast rate, and they drink sugar water. I get it. So everybody who's going fast is probably on sugar. They're, right. They're high on sugar somehow. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of honeybees, it's always interesting. Obviously, we see, uh, I, as a, someone who has had allergies, we tried some you know, uh, bee pollen to help us cure some of those things. I love the taste of bee pollen. It is actually very interesting. But how much total weight might a, beer, a bee gather um, when they're full on the run? Is that like maybe one-fifth of the weight, one-tenth? Because they seem kind of light. Well, you, are you talking about pollen itself? Yeah, that so, should be a total mass of the, of the, the body weight. I've never actually done, uh, I don't know that that, well, I know the study has been done. I don't know what I guess if we just took two average uh, bee pollen, right. what do you and, call them? And, well, the granules. granules what yes. you do is, the, you know, bee is covered in that stuff, and she brushes it down, and she Uses grooms legs, herself, yeah. and then there's little hooks at the back of her leg, and that hooks on, that holds onto her right. leg. But each one of those pollen granules, and I hate to tell you this, is not going to help with your allergies. <laughs> How about B vitamins? <laughs> That won't help your, your allergies, but it'll keep you stronger. That's and right. B vitamins, place. right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. I knew there was something. B vitamins are different than pollen, but pollen is a pure protein. We don't even know if we can digest it. Um, so it's an interesting sort of... Well, maybe it'll situation. make the other end smell better. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, I'm curious, um, in your courses, is it okay to get a B or is everyone really looking for an A? <laughs> the fact is we don't even grade. <laughs> but you do grade honey. Talk about the grades of honey. Well, actually, I don't, I don't grade honey Well, let's, I mean, honey is graded. So let's take, talk, tell me about that process. So the, the, the country has a grade for honey and that actually has to do with how much it's been filtered. Uh, and so um, almost all honey is considered grade A. It goes through a minimal amount of filtration. A lot of people like to say my honey hasn't been heated or filtered, but in fact that is not true. All honey has to be minimally filtered because you don't want to open up a jar and have, bee leg. and have a bee leg or have pizza, the piece of a chunk of wax. It's going to throw all kinds of images in your mind that's going to make you not want to eat your honey. On the other hand, we don't want it to be overheated because you want to be able to have the enzymes and the protein and all the little stuff that's still there. And it's not a lot. So is it a living, kind of a living thing in that respect? Not really because nothing can grow in honey. It's so hygroscopic right. that if a, if a um, if bacteria is inside honey, it's going to explode because the honey is going to start to seek its water. And yes. Just, uh, oh, and so interesting. It it. Um, but what's the life of a of a honey jar? I know that when I travel, <laughs> I always love like in Spain, uh, Mexico, uh, France. Looking for different honeys is always is, is one of the treasures that I seek. Um, but how long does it will it last in my cupboard, which is cool? Okay, in your cupboard, it will crystallize, but it will last forever as long as water doesn't get into it. When water gets into it, it starts to ferment. So honey is naturally... It's <laughs> the mead pride. I get well, it. sort of. But it does, actually, I just learned recently, because we grew some fermenting honey, and discovered that the yeast that's growing in there is the kind that you don't want in either wine or mead. It'll actually kill your fermentation. So, <laughs> right. Um, we came up with a whole new strain of yeast. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> all kinds of things can happen at the university. <laughs> well, you've uh, also created this uh, honey wheel, the honey flavor chart, right? The aromas right. and flavors of honey. Um, how long did this take for you to put together or, or, uh, gen the genesis of it? Well, we started, um, when I first started uh, at the center in about 2013, this had always been a goal was to create a honey flavor wheel. Um, the thing about doing that is you have to convene a whole bunch of tasters. So we that's where I met a whole lot of different people. We have wine tasters, olive oil tasters, chocolate tasters. We had writers, we have beekeepers, I, um, store owners, all kinds of people came together. There were actually 20, I think there were 25 or 26 people, including Hobie, who's over there. Um, but all kinds of people were tasting honey, and the idea was not to come up with descriptions of, of varietal honey, but to come up with words. Right. So we started with about 60 words. We had aroma samples in the back of the room. Everybody could go and smell them. They taste a honey blind. They had no idea what the honey was. We did it over two two weeks of tasting. We had 24 honey samples. So these fresh honeys, and is it honey a seasonal thing, just to digress a bit? Um, they, in the sense, fresh honey is usually happening when flowers are blooming. Okay. Um, it happens very quickly at that point, but getting it off and having a varietal is something else again. Um, but then we, so what we did is we had all of these honeys, and they were probably that year's forage. Um, and they, and people tasted all of these different honeys, and over the course of the time we wrote down every single word they said, we collected all their papers. I worked with another woman, Sue Langstaff, who is um, a trained uh, sensory specialist and so then we broke them into categories and once we had the categories we came up with primary flavors and then secondary flavors and then tertiary flavors and that's what's on the wheel and then there's a section that's got so it's a concentric wheel it starts from the outside or starts 
inside and then goes outside because you got more little segments, if you right. will, pieces of the pie as the right. pie gets bigger. So when you start with something fruity, then you go from fruity to, it could be dry fruit, it could be fresh fruit, or it could be stone fruit, or it could be, you know, that kind right. of thing. Right, sure. Orchard fruit, tree fruit, exactly. tropical fruit. And then you get the different varieties, so you get, you know, it's going to taste like different berries or melons. or And then when you get into that, then you're in the tertiary side. So it's uh, it's really interesting. It took us, um, the initial part, the getting everything together took us about two months to organize, getting all our tasters set up and everybody happening. And then it took about another six months to do all the configuration. Yeah, break it down, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Uh, it looks fantastic. I'm curious, have you had mints? Or peppermint in a honey flavor. I see that on the wheel. Yeah, well, there's a lot of um, honeys have a mint flavor. There's one right here, actually, that has a bit of a cooling flavor to, in your mouth, a little menthol. You just get more menthol than you do um, mint in sometimes, but occasionally you will get a little herbaceous flavor. And uh, and that herbaceous mint flavor is not necessarily mint honey. Reminds me of camphor. Yeah, this one does, exactly, right on it. This is actually um, basswood honey or linden honey. comes from the uh, Finger Lakes region. Wow. So how many honeys have you identified in the world? Have I personally? Well, well I let's say you representing the UC, UC. All right. I have over 200 in my office. Um, I've worked with people um, like Orietta, who works with me when we do honey sensory courses, and she's trained in Italian honeys. There's about 20 so or so there that they've actually identified and, and explained. Um, in the U.S., nobody has done that specific work, but we've done three different varietal honeys um, in the at, at the university, and we hope to do more. But I have personally tasted, oh, probably about 150 different honeys and I can identify probably 40 to 50 of those. Awesome. I'm speaking with Amina Harris who is the director of the Honey and Pollination Center at UC Davis. Um, <laughs> that just makes me laugh. Hey, stick around folks. We'll have more on Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to take a break so, so we, when we edit it I'll have a spot to start. So, so hopefully I'm not saying stuff No, it's great. No, I love it. Um, <laughs> hey, back at you. Uh, it's Sicky Sweet here down in Napa. I've got the pleasure of, of learning a lot about honey. There's this flavor wheel. It's copyrighted by the UC Regions. It's called the Aroma and Flavor Wheel of Honey. And the creator, Amina Harris, is here. Um, I'm learning all about honey. Uh, I wanted to say, there's been some challenges about the honeybee. How many honeybees do we have in the United States? There's only one species or one? Right. So there's one species of honeybee, though we have a few little things within it. Um, the Africanized bee is the one that has become really uh, well-known. It's still in the Apis mellifera, and Apis mellifera didn't get to the U.S. until 1650, didn't get to California until 1850. So took her a while to be taken across the country, but once she arrived, she certainly made a difference. And um, the Africanized honeybee has been moving slowly up uh, from Brazil when it was first released a long time ago, and it's arrived in Southern California. It's moving itself up, and we don't know if it's going to adapt to this kind of weather as it goes further north. However, there's other bees that um, do very well. Sadly, the Africanized bee is actually a very, very good bee for pollination and a good bee for honey production, but it's a really beast of a bee to try to handle. Um, Apis mellifera, our, our regular standard honey bee, she's a real sweetie and people love her. And uh, you can, you know, you can keep bees in your shorts and a tank top and just wear a veil so you don't get in her way and she won't bother to sting you because she knows if she does sting you, she's going to die. Whereas with Africanized bees, they don't care and they just come after you. <laughs> they know consequences. I see. Interesting how, um, and is it an av apiary? Yeah, an apiary. 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 When you just put in the V, it becomes a bird place. <laughs> All right. Okay. Just checking. Um, 
How, when to start a colony, you need a queen? A colony needs a queen. However, if they don't have one, they will build one. So they build a special... A colony or a queen? <laughs> They'll do both. Um, so if there is no queen there, they build a special queen cell. And um, for a short period of time, all the workers can, or a certain amount of the workers can actually lay eggs. Normally they can't. They're not, it doesn't work in a eusocial system that they are. So if they need a queen, they can actually take a cell and expand it and turn it into a queen cell, which is larger because she's larger. Is that the trick? Well, actually, that's how they actually do queen rearing, but they'll do it for a very specific selection. You just have to change the environment and they become royalty. And, right, and you feed them royal jelly every single day of their lives, but whereas honeybees only get... Is that what royal jelly is? It's that's a what... special substance that, that the bees secrete. Um, however, even though they secrete it, when they're, when they're in their um, larval state, they only get it for three days. Queen bees get it all the way through, and they're larger as a result. So she uses more energy, too? Does that take more energy to produce eggs, and, or is there a... To assume it does, but she never flies after she's gone on her mating dance. So she only goes out she there. She does a dance, huh? She goes out there and flies, does a real cool mating thing, and about 12 drones will be lucky enough to get her. They're on the drone bus, believe it or not, and thousands of drones will, oops, there's somebody out here who's ready to mate, and all these drones from all over the place show up, and they want to get her, but only 12 will get her to, and then the rest just sort so of So she's away. got apostles then, really. <laughs> She really has it all together. <laughs> oh, this is so fun. Um, Amina Harris, I, I really appreciate this. Um, let's taste the honey here, and you can take me through it. Which one would you recommend? I see this dark one here. So this dark one is um, blackberry honey. It comes from the, this particular one is twist sideways. Um, this particular one is coming from uh, the western coast of Oregon, and oh it's an absolutely goodness. pure varietal blackberry honey, so you get a burst of flavor in your mouth. Mm. It's like you can't quite describe it, but you know you feel like you've just been into a bunch of berries. And, uh, this and is so silky. This is beyond, I mean, this is refinement. It's great this honey, like isn't warm it? warm water. <laughs> oh. It's a great honey. It's, I love blackberry. So now, now it, that it, one's is available. Is that less filtered? That's only been filtered once because it's so dark, or is it dark because no, blackberries are dark? But I'm thinking they're, it, they're the, the touching the flowers has to do or with white. The minerals. The oh. minerals that are in the honey will create a darkness. Um, filtration has nothing to do with color. Interesting. Unless it's been overheated and overfiltered, which is a you know there's a lot of companies that don't keep them keep their honey varietally pure. So dark honey could have the same amount of nutrients or beneficial uh, benefit ingredients as a lighter honey. Yeah, pretty much. They're they're, they're all the same except for a teeny bit of minerals um, and acids and amino acid type stuff. I do have some acidity in this. It's interesting because what makes it balanced, it's not gooey sweet. We need, sometimes we need a little bit of lemon to really appreciate the sweetness, like lemonade. Right. Exactly. So this is a honey that's just all about all about its uh, acid and it's it just is a boom in your mouth. You know, it's, it's amazing. Do all honeys have the same amount of glucose or sucrose? or what? Very, They're all very similar. Yeah. Some are slightly different and some actually have uh, more of different other sugars. So you might find that some have more maltose, like Tupelo has more maltose in it. Um, but pretty much they're all almost identical. They are all around 17 to 18% water and then glucose and fructose and then a few other little items. But that's sort of how it goes. So when honey crystallizes, that's just the natural precipitation of the structure? The glucose fructose ratio, the, I, always, I always get this backwards so I don't want to say which one's which, but I think, uh, I better not. <laughs> 
<laughs> but all honey will crystallize in time, except for a few varieties that seem to have a, either they're more balanced or they're just so out of whack it doesn't, in that glucose fructose uh, syndrome. So black button sage doesn't crystallize, tupelo doesn't crystallize. But when it does, firewood we need... Firewood doesn't. Oh, yes, that seems to be firewood. I've seen that at restaurants a lot mm -hmm. because of, of that particular property. Warm water, microwave, what would you suggest to get rid of those uh, they, crystals? Well, I always tell people, when people tell me my honey's gone bad, it's turned to sugar. I tell them, your honey isn't bad, it is sugar. And the first, <laughs> the first thing that I like to say is, what are you using it for? And if they're using it, if they're putting it in coffee or tea, then it's going to melt anyway, so why bother? Right. If you're going to spread it on toast or on, on um, cornbread, toast. right, exactly, then why bother? Because it's easier to spread it and it's not going to drip all over your table. Mm -hmm. If you're baking with it and you need it liquid to combine with the ingredients, I actually suggest just softening it, warming it, and I do that in a warm water bath. Right. Um, so you boil water, turn it You're off, not and then put it in. Compromise any of the right. cellular Don't microwave it. You can really kill it off. Okay. Wow. This has been a real treat. Is there a website people can learn more for uh, learn more about uh, honey and perhaps order this wheel? Well, the honey wheel is available at. Um, they can come to my website, which is honey.ucdavis.edu, and uh, and they can um, click on the link that shows where you can buy stuff. Excellent. And so, one more thing. You work with your son, and he has an interesting title. <laughs> You're called the Queen Bee, and he is called... He's called the Nectar Director, and that's in our other business. I actually have two businesses. It's called Z Specialty Food, and we specialize in varietal honey from all over the United States, especially some from, some from the Northwest. We have a lot of great honey from the Northwest. Well, give us that website, because I'm sure people will be interested in uh, trying some of these fantastic... That one is zspecialtyfood.com. Awesome. Amina Harris, thank you so much for sharing uh, your love and uh, the sticky sweet story that is honey. Great. Thank you for having me, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Good.